Shabbat Shalom. As the American Jewish community has marked this Shabbat as one of solidarity with Israel, allow me to make some comments about events of the past days. Words are important. They not only describe, they clarify and point us in life's directions. Orwell wrote that if language corrupts thought, thought corrupts language. To describe murder as violence or lies as competing versions of events distorts and confuses. I suppose there's a certain cold accuracy to describe what has been unfolding in Israel as a cycle of violence. On one level, it's true. There is a cycle of assaults and reactions to assaults. But there is dishonesty and corruptions in such descriptions. What is unfolding in Israel is a campaign of terror and incitement from the Palestinian community against Israeli Jews. It is murder, not violence. It's terrorism, not resistance. It is vicious, wild incitement, not a competing narrative. If there's a cycle of anything, it's the same old cycle we see every time Israel or Israelis are attacked. A cycle of confusion and prejudice of those seeking to explain, describe, or influence events. I do not believe that most of the world is against Israel. I do not believe that most of the world is anti-Semitic. To the contrary, I believe that both Israel and Jews are held in high regard by many around the world. However, I also believe that sympathy for Israel has been undermined in the past generation. There has been an attempt to break down the feeling of solidarity with Israel, a solidarity strongly felt by Jews, but also by liberal, freedom-loving, pluralistically inclined Westerners who are not Jewish. There has been an attempt to separate Israel from the Western and intellectual and cultural tradition to describe Israel as more like her neighbors than the open and pluralistic society it really is. And thus, when Palestinians fire missiles into Israeli cities, their spokespeople describe it as legitimate self-defense. When they stab teenagers in the streets, they assert brutality on the Israeli side. And they clothe these crimes with the language of human rights developed by Western thinkers over centuries of hard struggle. And people who should know better go along with the charade, thus stripping core Western values of their force and diluting their effect. One reason that these efforts have seen some success is our inability to fully understand the energy driving Palestinian terror and rejection. 
Religious fundamentalism and political extremism are foreign to most of us. We do not comprehend bloodlusts, murder, suicide. The idea of the god of war requiring the murder of a child is incomprehensible to us. We cannot grasp the true power of religious bigotry and political incitement. And most of us do not tell such big lies all the time as to turn the world upside down. It is inconceivable to us for the leader of our nation to purposely incite Americans to call the sky green or the sea yellow. And that is why, for example, many gave credence to the leader of the Palestinian Authority and his accusations that Israel executed a 13-year-old boy in cold blood as he pointed to the footage of the boy bleeding on the streets. And even after it turns out that the boy is alive and that he was not innocent, he attacked two people with a knife and one of his victims, a 13-year-old Israeli boy, is still unconscious. That this is Palestinian assailant, regarded as a hero in Palestinian society, is being treated in an Israeli hospital and has admitted to the police that he intended to kill Jews. Even after all this, we cannot comprehend the distortion, the incitement, and the lies because with all of our flawed politics in this country, we do not practice politics this way. What Abbas really did was to disseminate a blood libel. Not too dissimilar from the blood libels of old that accused Jews of seeking out the blood of Gentile boys. By the way, anyone who really wants to learn about the true nature of Israeli society should spend a day at three random Israeli hospitals in three random cities. I had occasion to spend a week last summer in a Jerusalem hospital, an Orthodox hospital. What may surprise you is the huge number of Palestinian patients treated by Jewish and non-Jewish doctors. There is no distinction. There is complete equality. Often the lives of Palestinian terrorists are saved by the very doctors who lost the struggle to save the Jewish victims in adjacent rooms. Because our mindset on pol and political culture are so different, even those who should know better, let alone those who are enslaved to an anti-Israel conception, often view events in Israel in a manner that they would never hold closer to home. When Israel makes a mistake in battle, they call it a crime against humanity. 
When the U.S. Air Force bombs a hospital in Afghanistan, it is called a mistake. Even diplomats are not immune. Reacting to Israeli security forces and citizens who neutralized knife-wielding attackers, the State Department cautioned about reports it received of the use of excessive force, which is a bit rich in a year when we have been roiled by the very thing on the streets of America. Don't you think? Israeli lives matter too. This debate about the use of force is a bit surreal. Of course it is a legitimate issue, but it is not the predominant issue now. Go up online and watch real-time video of some of the knifings and axe-wielding attacks and try to determine for yourself what you would do. A central element of morality is to put yourself in another's shoes. So try and do that. Imagine walking the streets of New York or Jerusalem and randomly assaulted by an axe-wielding teenager. At that moment, would it matter to you what is the beef of that assailant? Is the legally proper use of force the predominant moral urgency that you would think about? Or perhaps you might first think about saving yourself by neutralizing the attacker. The central most urgent issue is not whether Israeli police soldiers and citizens have responded with reasonable force, although that is a legitimate issue, and most of them have clearly responded with reasonable force. Rather, the central issue is the viciousness of these attacks. We should hold the perpetrators and their leaders accountable and ask ourselves, what is the social context that gives rise to, justifies, and glorifies such wanton crimes? This week, a 70-year-old woman was stabbed by a 23-year-old Palestinian. Just on a human basis, what kind of parenting did this young man receive? Where did he glean his values? What kind of society produces these people? To be a slave to a concept, to feel no obligation to relate to the world as it is, only as you would like it to be, is a fundamental flaw. It is preachiness rather than preaching. A puffed-up self-righteousness that is garbed on the clothing of morality, picked up in philosophy 101 or in a high school comparative religion class. It is abstract intellectualism, but not real-world intelligence. And because so many are entrapped 
by a false concept. They cannot understand the reality and thus misdiagnose the problem all the time. They think, if only the Israeli police would be a bit more gentle. If only the Israeli government could be a bit more forthcoming. If only it wasn't for the territories or the settlements. And I am not in favor of building settlements. But they missed the point. There was terrorism before 1948. There was terrorism after. There was terrorism before the Six-Day War. There was terrorism after. There was terrorism before the settlements. There was terrorism after. There was terrorism before Camp David. There was terrorism after and during. And what ends up happening is that what we are seeing with increasingly distressing frequency Western humanitarian values are marshaled to support the most anti-Western causes. Jefferson justifies jihad. Rawls rewards religious fanatics. Kant defends ayatollahs. The New York Times gave away the game last week. Now it's important for me to emphasize that I think the Times is a great newspaper. It's also the paper of record. Presently we cannot do without the Times. I do not generally complain about news as journalism is a serious profession that requires much more expertise than I possess. I intend to continue to read the paper every day. I'm not canceling my subscription. But the Times revealed the intellectual confusion that passes for objectivity nowadays. Do you see this story? Entitled, Historical Certainty Proves Elusive at Jerusalem's Holiest, Places, Holiest Place. Did you see that last week? You should read it. I have a copy here. You can go online and find it yourself. The thrust of the article was to imply that it is an open question whether the first and second temples ever existed at all. A few academics are quoted to give a veneer of seriousness, one of whom later complained in a letter to the Times that she was taken out of context. The overall impression is to give credence to Palestinian lies that the Jewish temples are fictions, created by Zionists who invented a connection to the Bible and the ancient land of Israel so that they could colonize Palestine and occupy Palestinians. Never mind that Palestine was the name given to the land of Israel by the Romans after they destroyed the Jewish state 600 years before the rise of Islam. And before 1948, it was the Jews living there who were called Palestinians. But never mind. The paper of record is now so confused in its mission to report the truth that it has gone truthiness. It is so dispiriting and maddening 
And this from the newspaper that rails against climate change deniers, rightly so, and that seizes every opportunity to call out the earth is flat crowd, rightly so. Can anyone who actually cares about the truth suspect not only ignorance or political correctness gone amuck, but perhaps malice as well? an enslavement to a worldview that corrupts thought and language? I do not doubt that many mean well. They want peace. But they are seduced by honey-tipped tongues masking the foul breath of venomous spleens. What's so many of Israel's neighbors mean by peace is peace only for them. What they mean by justice is Israel's demise. They cry peace, but let's slip the dogs of war. We do not have to be geniuses to understand what is going on. We can understand the world by looking around and observing. The basic forces of the world are the basic forces of the heart. And therefore, if you want to understand the world, you must first understand the human heart. You do not require a PhD in philosophy or an advanced degree in political science from the London School of Economics. Lust for power Envy, the impulse towards violence, the will to dominate, the acquisition of wealth, the feelings that are in your heart, they drive the world. But fortunately, the yearning for peace, the simple aspiration for security, a roof over your head, three square meals a day, compassion, love, friendship, and decency. These feelings are also in your heart. And they too drive the world. And so there is hope. There is always hope. Judaism is about hope. The national anthem of the Jewish state is called hope. I do agree that everything is part of a larger context and that political context nowadays is awful. There is no peace horizon. Israel too has made many mistakes and Israelis live under, many Israelis live under a dangerous conception that the Palestinians will simply disappear. There are Israeli extremists as well and this disgusting phenomenon seems to be growing. Perhaps Israeli diplomacy could have been more forthcoming in putting forward a two-state solution. But Palestinian behavior is so at odds with their stated desire for a two-state solution that I, and I think most progressive Jews and Israelis, are now convinced that the dispute is not rooted in territorial claims. These can be bridged. We have been mistaken about this. Rather, the root cause of this dispute is what it always was. The terrible realization for people like me that what drives Palestinian diplomacy is a denial 
of Jewish claims to the land of Israel. Hence, it is so important for them to cast doubt about Jewish history. Palestinians believe there is only one legitimate national movement, theirs, and that Israel is a colonial power imposed on them by the West, and like all colonial powers, will eventually disappear. Many of their Western supporters believe this too. Moreover, Palestinians believe that Jews are not a nation at all, but simply a religious community. And therefore, Jews have no right to self-determination in the first place. This explains their rejection of three peace proposals by three center-left Israeli governments in the past 16 years. And this mindset of victimhood licenses in their eyes and in the eyes of their supporters any atrocity, any outrage, and any act of violence. Everything is Israel's fault. Palestinians are always the victims. Even when a teenager attacks a grandmother with an axe, it is the teenager who is the victim. Israel's very existence is the original sin. Spilling Jewish blood is the purification of the original sin. Presently, I believe, and I believe that most Israelis believe, that the Palestinians do not seek to live in peace side by side with a Jewish state. They do not aspire to a two-state solution. They seek to dismantle the Jewish state, and diplomacy is simply the strategy half of them have chosen to accomplish this aim after decades of terror. As long as the preponderance of Palestinian society and its leadership holds these views, permanent reconciliation is impossible. Those who truly want a two-state solution need to find a way to shake the Palestinians out of this mindset. If all they do is raise faux questions about Israel's use of force and self-defense, they diminish Palestinian incentive to change. And until they change, there can be periods of relative calm, but not a permanent peace. And I say this as one who believes in peace and personally would be prepared to relinquish much for the sake of peace. Peace, not peaciness. True peace. The peace of the brave. The peace of the strong. The peace that Judaism always placed at the center of human aspirations. The entire Torah is for the sake of peace wrote the sages. The whole Torah was given to promote peace in the world. Seek peace and pursue it. Peace. Peace to the distant and to the close.